Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. to Beyond the To-Do List. I'm Eric Fisher, and this is where I talk to the people behind the productivity. As you listen, you'll learn not only about being more efficient and effective, but also about doing work with meaning and purpose. This week, I'm talking to John Bell, the author of Do Less Better. Yes, I know, that is, sounds like I said that wrong, but uh, it's actually called Do Less Better, The Power of Strategic Sacrifice in a Complex World. And this whole idea of making strategic sacrifices, doing less so you can do what you choose to do better, being a specialist instead of a generalist. This idea has been something that I've been working on already prior to the point where I read John's book. So I know you'll like it. Before we get into that conversation, I want to say thank you to Doodle for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Doodle is the solution to scheduling a meeting with a group of people. Scheduling a group meeting can be so frustrating because you've got to get back and forth and find out it doesn't work for some person, but it works for everybody else, and then you got to start all over. Doodle is an online scheduling tool that makes it easy to schedule a meeting with one or more people. You don't need to register, so it's very easy to get started. You just schedule a meeting. You select possible dates and times for yourself, invite the people that you want to be part of that meeting, and then they get to check when will work for them. The basic service is free. They also offer personal scheduling profiles called Meet Me. Premium Doodle is available starting at only $39 a year and offers business users additional features such as calendar integration, automatic reminders, and much more. I'm one of the 24 million people using Doodle each month to save time and schedule a lot of different events, including conversations for this podcast. You can get started with Doodle by visiting beyondthetodolist.com slash doodle. Well, this week it is my privilege to talk with John Bell, the author of the book Do Less Better. Welcome to the show, John. Eric, I'm delighted to be with you today. So, uh, are you familiar with Superman? Who isn't? <laughs> are you are you also familiar with the I guess you could call him a Superman villain, although he's maybe more just misunderstood. Bizarro? 
No, I'm not. Okay. Well, he's basically Superman, but reverse. So, you know, he, instead of uh, ice breath, he, he blows flame. And anyway, he, he taught, he's from a reverse parallel universe or something. I don't know. Anyway, way too much information here. But he talks backwards. So he, he does kind of almost a Yoda thing. But he means the opposite. And so when I first read the title of your book, Do Less Better, it sounded like something he would say, like, I'm going to do less better, you know, like improper grammatically saying, I'm going to do things poorly. And that is not what that's not what the book is about at all. In fact, it's about doing less and doing better. Absolutely right. In, in fact, at one point, uh, I wondered whether there should be a comma after less, <laughs> but the publisher said, "Oh no, 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 no! It's it's got to be simple." And I said, "Well, I can't argue about, argue with simplicity. Exactly. I'm preaching it." Yes, exactly. And and I think that's the thing is, is you're if the comma was there, you're almost. I like it without the comma, and I think the reason being is it is more simple, and I think that. You're you're choosing to do less so you can do those things that you're choosing specifically better than you ever did them before. Yeah, and 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 perhaps the thing the thing that caught you off guard was the the first two words do less because that that yeah. sounds like less work. That and do and, less better is not about doing less work. <laughs> For the most part, when I talk to people about productivity, doing less work is never what we're really talking about. But in your case. It means doing what you choose to do better. So let's let's get into this. This is almost like a productivity 101, and I and I really think my audience will appreciate a refresh on this. So, what does doing less but doing better mean to you? <clears throat> okay, let, let's talk about uh, a paradigm that's been out there for a long, long time, probably since the, the since the origins of business, and that is that everyone thinks. You have to do more and more to grow. And, and that has certainly been the case uh, for today's business more, more than ever. And, of course, inherent in that is there's a lot of complexity. The more you do, the more complexity uh, uh, raises its ugly head and basically stifles and stagnates and, and if left unchecked, can bring a company to its knees. So what I'm getting at here is is the original idea of specialization, and and most businesses always started as as a specialist. Some someone was a shoemaker, or a, or a bricklayer, or or a uh, or a small retailer, and um, with the mergers and acquisition craze of the 80s, 90s, and, and and still today, you've got bigger and bigger companies, and. And the opportunity to compete against them seems like it's far more difficult than ever. And my point is that it is not because specialists still beat generalists. Generalists move slow. Generalists have to worry about many, many more things. So a small to medium-sized company that can specialize in one or maybe two things can win against the giant. And why is that? Uh, fundamentally, they can be more creative, they can be more nimble, and they can have greater know-how in the individual category in which they work. Now, uh, early in my career, uh, I worked for a business that was in 10 different food categories with many brands 
none of them had a unique competitive advantage. And we were up against the likes of Kraft and Nestle and Procter & Gamble, companies that at that time were 10 to 20 times our size. We were in red ink, and we decided that ultimately, and this, this took a, a lot of soul searching, and it did take a lot of courage, that the only way we could survive was to concentrate on one or two of those categories. So we sold off or closed um, eight of the ten businesses. Now, we didn't do it all at once. We should have. Uh, we trimmed her down to four businesses and realized that it still was not enough. We were still not focused enough. And then when we concentrated on the coffee business, we actually became better at it than the Crafts, the Nestle's, and the Procter & Gamble's. Now, how, how is that possible? Do you really think um, the, the CEO of Kraft knows as much about coffee as the CEO of Starbucks would? Oh, yeah. No, I doubt it. All right. And Starbucks, uh, yeah. And even 25 years ago, that was the case. Even when Howard Schultz only had uh, 15 outlets in, uh, in the state of Washington, he knew more about coffee. His management knew more about coffee. And within that category, even though it sounds very, very limiting, uh, look at the number of opportunities that are there. And, and in fact, Nestle have actually pursued one of those in this single serve uh, Net, uh, Nespresso. You read you read the book, and I and yeah. I talked about Nespresso in it, and gave Nestle a great deal of credit for innovating, creating a machine that could brew single serve coffee using pods. And of course, it's it's the old uh, scenario of you sell the hardware and then you make money on the software. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but I'll, and I'll just wrap it up here. I'll, on the opportunities within that one business. In coffee, it, it was roasting, it was buying, uh, it was marketing, uh, and, and it, it could expand all the way to reusable filters and even single-serve uh, machines. So there's still plenty of opportunity, but it's in a focused area where know-how is greater. I love this idea of uh, a generalist versus a specialist. And I think when it comes to not just you know everyday – uh, you know, work tasks, but also just life tasks in general, I think we feel or take on much more of a generalist mentality when we should be looking to become specialists. What do you think? Yeah, it, yeah. we inherently think we have to do more and more. Uh, even as even today's marketers, they forget that the mind is a very, very busy place. And so with social media, there are so many ways to engage with uh, customers and, and people generally put out a, a, a whole host of benefits for a brand or a service when really uh, a brand should stand for one thing. And that's really tough for, for marketers to think about. We did this uh, many, many years ago because I came out of a, the conventional packaged goods business and the P&G way was one benefit, uh, not, not three or four. Sure, um, uh, Crest toothpaste would stand for many things, but basically Crest toothpaste fought cavities, hmm. right? And then, there were, then, then you've got uh, – uh, the, there was a brand called Ultra Bright many years ago. I don't know whether you remember it. It was a toothpaste that that uh, made your teeth uh, glisten, shine, white. Yeah, yeah. So, so a single-mindedness uh, is is important. Um, our 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 minds can only handle so much information, and we all want a piece of of that customer's mind. So, if you're going going to cut through 
uh, you better have a great point of differentiation. Well, so how do you suggest that, you know, organizations as well as even, you know, people who are doing too much, how do they cut through? How do they, I mean, is there a process or a, a workflow that you would suggest um, and, and it probably starts with realizing the fact that you're doing too much, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then I think the other thing, Eric, is, is, is if you're working in an organization and the leadership doesn't buy into focus, then it's very difficult. And, you know, there's a lot of leaders out there that say we've got to focus, but they don't do it themselves. So it makes it tough down the line. So I would say for the process to work properly – at the 30,000-foot corporate strategy level, senior management and the board have to decide which businesses they are going to pursue and which markets. And, and ideally, uh, focus on the ones that matter most. Now, actually, Procter & Gamble do this quite well. <laughs> this, this is a multi-brand, multi-product company, but they do know how – they do prune what they plant. They've sold off many, many divisions. They sold off the food division. They've recently sold off the um, uh, the pet food uh, lines uh, in in order to focus more on on beauty and uh, and some of the other products that uh, that have been successful for them for a long time. So at at the thirty thousand uh, foot level, there's a decision to be made. Okay, now that filters down into the functional areas: functional meaning sales, marketing, manufacturing, IT, HR. The same kind of thinking, if, if this is uh, the areas we are focusing on, how does our particular department work within that? Below that is the to-do list. Every employee has a to-do list. So if there's 20 things on there, <clears throat> and, and, and I'll be honest here, I mean there, there are probably 15 of them that have to be done to, to, to keep the company running, right? Right. They may be mundane, but but you've got to enter orders, just as an example. But there are also items on there that are areas of opportunity and projects. And this is where one has to be very diligent in deciding uh, which to pursue and which to pass on. And a lot of people uh, struggle with passing on an opportunity. Well, what if somebody else goes after it? I say let them have it. Um, I, I use the analogy of, of, a, of a mountain and then a mountain range. In that mountain range, there are scads of opportunities for companies. But I'd like to climb this one mountain. And I don't care how the, the, the people within my company want to climb it. That's their business. That's their autonomy. But I want them climbing that mountain. So in our in our uh, in my, my particular case that was that was coffee, and uh, yeah, this is the mountain range of other opportunities. Let somebody else have them. I don't mind competitors making money, but uh, the the ultimate goal for uh, I, I think a CEO uh, running a business is that their business has to have competitive advantage, has to lead the way uh, with it with innovation, uh, creativity new ideas, new products, and um, we'll get to the top of that, that mountain and own it. 
Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people. Or, at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic? For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond and what you're really talking about is quality versus quantity right i mean quality you can never your organization or you yourself will never reach the level of quality if you're so concerned on the amount or the quantity that you're producing or putting out couldn't agree with you more uh you know and it works within within a company i mean we've got a number of people in organizations that are not going to rise to the the c-suite but can they be a craftsman can they be a specialist in their own field? If somebody is, is a purchasing uh, manager, for example, how do you make that – help that person be the best purchasing manager out there? You train them. You, you offer opportunities to interact with other purchasing people, and, and, and you allow them to be a specialist in that particular area. And I think that's motivating for people. They don't necessarily have to keep climbing the corporate ladder. Some people want to do it. Some people are, are uh, prepared to do it and, and qualified to do it, but not everybody. So, so how do you uh, ensure that you've got inspired, motivated employees? And I think specialization is one way to do it. Not to mention the fact that you know resources themselves become much more effective in their usage because when you're – streamlining and you're going for quality on fewer items, then your time, your attention, your energy, your budget even, all become multiplied basically, right? You've got it. 
you've got it 100%. And usually, uh, well, in all cases, small and medium-sized companies don't have the deep pockets of their multinational competitors. So if you can't outspend them, how do you compete against them? You know, I'm suggesting do less better, but I'm also suggesting a, a creativity, nimbleness, ideas, innovation, um, di- choosing fewer, better opportunities. And that's good. And you know something? That actually, I didn't put this in the book, and I wish I had because it's come to me. <laughs> it's exclusive. It always, always happens. Yeah. That um, do less, better uh, leadership is easier. <laughs> it's an easier way to lead. Why? Because everybody's on the same page. They know the parameters. Mm. So those, uh, those opportunities, those ideas, those projects that aren't on strategy eventually are never brought to you. People know they're going to be rejected because they're off strategy. So in, inherent in that uh, is, is a way to focus the company and the employees in the company. That's a great, that's great. I love, I love that idea that, you know, there's, there's almost a pre-built funnel at that point where you just know, oh, this is, this is outside the, and and then we're not saying don't think outside the box, but you've already set up kind of the rubric or the, the boundaries of, no, this is what we're about. And this, this idea out here, unless you can bring it into the fold and present it as to why it benefits what we are about, then you can reject it outright and, that's a good thing because it means you're not wasting time on it. That's right. And, and, and then this, this word strategic sacrifice, sacrifice becomes part of the modus operandi. Everyone understands it. We, we accept that we have to pass on things that we really don't really want to pass on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, but we accept that that's, that's the key to our success. Now, I listened uh, to your interview with uh, Rory. Yes. It, is it Rory Vaden? Rory Vaden. Vaden, yeah. And I really liked, liked what he had to say about sacrifice. And, and it was this, and I made a note of it. He says, taking the easy decision now will cause more problems in the long haul as opposed to making a tough sacrifice now that will make the longer term better. So early in the game, it is difficult. Uh, later in the game, you're used to that style and that culture. And, uh, and then you, you, you buy into the concept, especially – if you're a small to medium size operation, because do less, do less better for large companies is an option. Sure. Uh, if they focus, they, they will uh, it, certainly uh, improve their performance, but they don't have to because they have scale and they have clout and scale and clout can cover up a lot of mistakes. But I think the small to medium sized companies do less better is not an option. It's, it's, it's the only option. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That that that's really uh, the point there. That's a good point. I, I like that idea. There's, a, I mean, there's, a, and even uh, even not just the medium, but even the very small, even the even the solo entrepreneur type people who I know there's a number of those who listen to the show. Um, they probably are thinking, oh, you know, here's my field. It's big and it's wide and it's open. But what would you say to convince them? Hey, you may want to narrow it down a bit. <laughs> Yeah, it uh, th- there's there's this this, this cover your ass uh, mentality, right? With that, if you've got all of these balls up in the air, you know, m- you know, may- maybe one will come through for you when when something else isn't doing very well. <clears throat> but, but ultimately, and and the the proof is that 
companies who specialize are generally more profitable. They might not be as big, but specialists generally get uh, better margins. Have, have you ever heard of the, uh, the, the law firm Wachtell Lipton? Uh, not off the top of my head. It sounds familiar, but I, I can't remember right this okay, second. Okay, these guys are amazing. They, they are uh, – there's, there's 50,000 law firms in the U.S., and uh, this company is the 63rd largest in the world. It's big. It's $600 million. The largest law firm in the world has 77 offices in 47 countries. So how many uh, offices do you think uh, Wachtell Lipton have? Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm sure it's something small. For it the is. It is. How small can you get? Well, one. You got it. Oh, my gosh. One office, New York City. And uh, their, their specialization is mergers and acquisitions. And they are excellent at it. And as a result, they're the most profitable law firm per equity partner in the world. So if, if, if you want to uh, hire a law firm for M&A, you go to New York or, or they'll send someone to you and there's, there's, there's no hourly billing. It's a fixed fee. Uh, many years ago, they represented um, Kmart in a um, – uh, there was an, uh, an unfriendly takeover uh, happening and Kmart hired them. And it took them two weeks to do the job. Kmart paid them $20 million and uh, they were thrilled to do so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I learned about this company in, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, which, which is great. Yeah. And, and again, I wish I'd read the book before I published my own um, because they are, they are just a great example of uh, doing less better. And so is In-N-Out Burger, by the way. I don't know whether you know them. They're big in California. Yeah, they're big out west. Uh, I don't think we have anything close here. Uh, but, you know, when, when I can, I get some. <laughs> here, yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing, Eric. You want a chicken burger? You're not going to get it there. You're, right. going to get, you're going to get a beef burger, con- conventional hamburger. You'll get fries. You'll get shakes. You'll get soft drink. No desserts. Now, McDonald's <clears throat> has over 100 items on the menu. I know they reached 140, and I know they're trying to cut back. And yet In-N-Out sales per outlet is just a smidgen less than McDonald's. Man. So, so the proof's in the pudding right there. Yeah. In, when, in those two examples, the law firm and, and the fast food restaurant. Of course, they also uh, deliver on the word fast within the nomenclature, don't they? Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> You've been there. <clears throat> they know how to do it. Yeah. Well, okay. So we've talked uh, large organizations and, and you know medium size. We've talked fast food, which I did not expect. Um, how about you yourself? How have you? I mean, it, there's got to be a parallel here somewhere where that that caused you to say, you know, I need to write this book. I, you you lived through the um, the corporate downside not down downsizing is not the right part Re, let's say refocusing mm-hmm. reinventing <laughs> reinventing even yeah. and it had to have affected you to the point where you wanted to write this book how has this trickled down into your day-to-day life yeah it's a good it's a good question i'm, I'm going to uh, give you a little bit of background on it uh, when i was consulting and spending a lot of time in airplanes and hotel rooms <clears throat> towards the end of my career um, I had a lot of time, and my daughter had asked me to write a biography on her grandfather, who was a uh, Second World War pilot on the wrong side. <clears throat> and the story is the story is fascinating. 
And she said to me, Dad, if you don't write it, uh, it, it will die with him. And he was about 84 at the time. He's now 94, still alive. So I wrote it, and I loved writing it. I really enjoyed it. And then I published just enough books for the family. And uh, about a year later, uh, I wanted to write again. And I decided if I fictionalize this this story, you know, if, if I added – if I added, you know, sex and murder and revenge and, and all this exciting stuff, what could I do with it? I could stay with the foundation. So to make a long story short, I, I wrote it, and then I tried to find a literary agent. And I ran into a fellow in New, in New York. Uh, Eric Nelson was his name. And uh, he said, I can, I can give you some advice on it, although it's not my genre. And he did. And then eventually he said, I got, you know, I've got to move on. I've been, I've been doing uh, very well selling business books. I said, you know, I've got an idea for a business book. And, and it's, it's all about this complex world that we live in now. Never has business been so complex as today. So I think there's, a, there's an idea about focus. And he said, well, there's been a lot of books on focus, John. <laughs> I said, I know, but, you know, the market needs it more than ever. So he said, what's the differentiation? So there you go. There, there's What's that single point of difference? And I said, I think uh, we could have through this book the common thread that sacrifice in the right places, strategic sacrifice in the right place is the way to find that focus. He said, that's unique. And originally the book was going to be called Kill Your Darlings, but the, the publisher didn't like it. So we went with Do Less Better. Anyway, so my novel sat on the back burner. So I, I got into this and I, I really felt there was a good purpose in doing it because I think the leaders and managers need it. But I had to stop doing anything on the novel. In, in, in other words, searching for an agent, searching for uh, uh, a, pu- a publisher. And it is sitting now quietly until uh, I've, I've finished uh, the, the 60, 90, whatever it takes uh, d- days to publicize this book. And then I will move to it. But I won't, I won't work on both at the same time. Oh, that's – see, and that's, that's the problem that uh, you know myself and, and many others that uh, I've worked with have is we're like, okay, I'm working on this podcast. I'm working on this book. I'm working on this online course. I'm working, and we're working on all these things all at once, and they all take forever to get done. And some of them don't even ever get finished because that fractured uh, attention – and energy is just all over the place. Not, not to mention all the other things that take up and take up is kind of. But even even <laughs> you with know. your yeah, even with your podcast, Eric. I mean, you've got probably a a list of potent, potential authors you, you want to to talk to. You can't talk to all of them. So right. in your own in your own um, way of doing less better, a you look at what you what you think that your readers will be interested in num- number 1 and number 2 which of those books uh, is going to fit the best for them and pass on the rest yeah. i'm guessing well, not to mention not to mention the the first and foremost question you know sorry listeners but what interests me myself <laughs> <laughs> well that's probably similar to uh, your listeners right because yeah. that's how you got to this point well I, I, honestly that's one of the secrets for me and i don't know if i've ever said this but if i'm interested then and it holds my attention and i'm um fascinated by it first then it becomes less like work it becomes yeah. more like something that i'm passionate about mm-hmm. so then the audience will get what they want as well 
Yeah, it, it really, really does work wonders, doesn't it? You know, even in some of the interviews I've had, I haven't been a CEO for a long, long time. But when when people ask about those days, it uh, it, it reinstills the the passion and the excitement of those days, and a lot of memories come back that that I'd actually forgotten about in in order to make a point to to answer a question. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's great to do, and uh, it and it's easy to talk to people like you that are uh, equally passionate about th- this subject. It's it's fun. If you were to say you weren't, you know. If you were going to start a new business right now, how would you start the process of deciding what to do? In other words, you wouldn't do a bunch of different things. You'd start off with that one thing. How would you decide that? Well, let, let, let's pick it up uh, where we left off. It, it, it would have to be something that I really cared about to start with, number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two is what is where's the need? Where's the problem, and and who is who is not addressing that problem? <clears throat> and I think if you can find that, uh, then you can be on your way to to creating a, a a company that can separate itself from the current incumbents and offer a, a product or a service. Um, but without without problem, um, there's no solution. Now, having said that. Uh, if you are the type that can see the unseen, because uh, you know, if you were talking to Steve Jobs today, he, he wouldn't answer that way. He'd say, "Look, I, I can I can look out into the future, and I know what customers will want. It's not a problem right now. They're not looking for it, but I know when I give it to them, they'll want it. Mm-hmm. And and how many products <laughs> has that company come out with that uh, the market was just shocked? Well, where did this come from?" Did he talk to consumers? No. Uh, it, it's, it's like uh, Henry Ford once said, if, if I asked uh, the customers uh, you know, what they wanted for better transportation, it's, it'd say faster horses mm-hmm. and a good buggy whip. Uh, nobody, nobody thought of the car. <laughs> now he'd seen the unseen, automobiles. So, so that's, uh, there's yeah. more than one way to skin that cat, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. So it's it's that problem. It's it's what you're passionate about. It's finding where that problem that you could fill a need for, and and honestly, almost not even seeing if somebody's out there already filling that need because maybe you can do better. Right. I mean, Warby Parker are doing this in eyeglasses, oh, right? Yes. Uh, this this is really great. What what they're doing. Yeah. And interesting, you know. Uh, here's a, here's a company that that turned in mid course because their original premise was that they would only sell online, and and now I think they have ten flagship stores. Not that not that they want to have a hundred. It's just that they want to have these big stores in in the right markets to showcase their product. Most of the business is still online. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And and for those not familiar, we'll we'll. Uh, they're not the they're not a sponsor for the show or anything, no. but uh, you know the 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 idea behind it is is you can uh, try glasses on at home. They'll send them to you, and you send them right back, and it's awesome. So, yeah, at a much lower cost. Yeah, than the old way, which is a very long distribution system. Yeah, that adds costs along the way. That that simplicity, that simplicity and that focus allows them to 
increase that quality and even in this case that the customer service that they've they, they've uh, invented for this. I mean, it was unheard of years ago, and then yeah. gradually you start to hear about it, and you're like, oh wow, I would have never thought that somebody would be able to focus so much on the quality of the product. And I guess they probably also focus in on the qual- the not the quality the the happiness of the customer. So they do, and and uh, you know even when you go to the website, it's it's so professional. It's just so interesting to read. Yeah. Well, well, John, how can people get a copy of Do Less Better? Okay, so the book is uh, on all the uh, all the popular um, online websites, the Amazons of the world. Um, but also, if they want to. Um, have a look at uh, some of the details, uh, they can go up to the book's website, which is www.dolessbetter.ca. And in there, they can uh, download the uh, introductory chapter, No Cost. And um, that whets their appetite. Uh, go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, whatever. It's it's on all the uh, the online retail sites. Great. John, thank you so much for being on the show. Eric, thanks for having me. Had a great time. I hope this conversation serves as a reminder to you to practice strategic sacrifice and learn to make more focused decisions about what it is you will choose to say yes and no to and what you will focus on being about. Thanks again to John for talking with me. Make sure you go check out his links to his book in the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 89. Thanks again to Doodle for sponsoring this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, I can't tell you how easy scheduling meetings has gotten for the last year, year and a half or so since I've been using Doodle. I would love for you to try it out. Go over to beyondthetodolist.com slash doodle. Again, that's beyondthetodolist.com slash doodle. Thanks again for listening. I will see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast. Theorize over the TV shows Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Under the Dome. Laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.